Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass Buckshot Esquire, if you will. And joining me... It's Nikki. And Mark Edge. I was just at dinner. There's a local gathering in the Keene area, usually every Sunday. Uh, What do we call it? Social Sunday? Yep. And there's a film crew uh, in town and has been in town for some time. Uh, You've heard about this if you listen to Free Talk Live with any regularity. Uh, BalladOfTheCrypto6.com. BalladOfTheCrypto6.com. Yeah, they're they're, they're there doing their thing. And and it was fun. There was uh, some... Folks came out. It's an interesting meetup because you never know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, <laughs> life is like a box of chocolates kind of a bit, right? You never know who's going to show up for Social Sunday because it's a public place at a restaurant that takes crypto and goldbacks, and uh, it's just a fantastic time. So those folks were out, uh, you know, talking to people, filming people, interviewing, all that kind of a thing. So that was a, a fun, good time, um, and I really appreciate the fact that well, here in the Keene area, we kind of live in the future, hmm. you know, and that there's several places that accept the cryptocurrency, you know, and the goldbacks for that matter. Yeah. Whereas even in a, a technological hub like Seattle yeah. that I left three years ago, there was like one Bitcoin ATM. Really? In all of Seattle. Wow. Is it still? It has still, to have grown from there. Yeah, it must have. I, I hope so. Because I know when I was in uh, the Los Angeles area... I was at a gas station pumping gas, and I took a picture on my Snapchat, and sometimes locations will pop up, Yeah, and it was like, Liberty X Bitcoin ATM, and I was like, whoa, that's cool. Yeah. I know that for a while, there were, I I don't know how to say this, there were, I I wouldn't call it a conference, it wasn't like a thing that's advertised where you can buy tickets, but there were Bitcoin mm, gatherings, I think by developers, Right, like the people, like the core Bitcoin people, like mm, pre fork. Like I remember reading about some of these guys, like trying to fly into Seattle and only use Bitcoin to pay for their flights and that kind of a thing, uh, and get their room so that they could attend this thing. It wasn't a you know a publicly available conference, but I was thinking to myself, Seattle, Washington is like, I mean, probably number two to only San Francisco in like being known as a tech hub yeah. city. Right? And maybe there's some competition there. I don't know. Frisco, I assume, is number one. But Seattle, if they're number two, they're not far behind. Um, and it was super surprising to me that there was very little Bitcoin action activity, uh, even up until three years ago, 2019. We have JG calling from Florida. JG, you are on Free Talk Live. Right. First things first, Nikki is a babe. What are your thoughts on uh, Dry Queen story time? I don't necessarily have a problem with it unless unless it's I, and there's a whole spectrum of drag queens. I mean, I don't necessarily have an issue with men dressing up as women. Um, I think if they're like dressed really in like skimpy clothing, very produ- provocatively, or if it's something sexual or inappropriate, then yeah, I'd probably have an issue with it. But I think it should kind of be up to the parents' discretion. I used to be into drag racing. Something about driving really fast with women's clothes on. Yeah, <laughs> I um, I I wonder to myself why a public library is opening itself up to this sort of thing. I wonder to myself um, why anyone why anyone would take their kids to it. 
like if if it has value uh, it could exist in the free market. That is to say, uh, if somebody went to the effort of getting some drag queens together to tell some stories to kids, they should be able to book a venue, not a public library, yeah. right? book a venue, sell some tickets to willing, voluntary customers, right? I think sort of springing it on you know, the public youth... Uh, is what causes the outrage, yeah. particularly well, amongst parents. It's woke culture. You know, they want to kind of normalize things like this. Yeah. And I don't particularly have a problem if somebody yeah. wants to go about putting together drag queens, telling kids yeah. stories. But again, it should exist at the behest of the market, yeah. not the you know public's uh, Everybody library. I've seen with kids is super vigilant against perverts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know what a pervert looks like, and I don't think anybody else does. But I think the chances are, if you're flamboyant in your dress, the possibility goes up. In which case, why in the... I mean, I I had one son. He's 14 years old now. He's not. I'm not taking him to a lot of story times. Never in my life would I do this. This yeah. just sounds like a bad idea to me. Not interested in it. JG, your thoughts? Well, it's it's... It's deeper than like how they dress. It's what they're reading. I they had one in my neighborhood, and I just sat right next to it and listened to it the whole time. And they're just grooming kids. You know, they're just kind of getting getting in their head that like dressing like a, a woman's okay. And I mean, it's deeper than that. But so you attended one of these? Did you bring your child? Do you have children? Did you trust cross trust? No, I, I I went there strictly to hear what they were saying, to see what this guy's angle was, what he was really saying to the kids, and he, he's reading the book, but he's really just you know toying with their heads and and hmm. you know just kind of grooming these kids. I read a book that was about Alex Jones going to out to the uh, one of these uh, meetings out in the woods yeah. with like a giant owl or something. Yeah. And the one guy who and another guy goes with uh, goes with him. Another reporter goes with him. Completely unrelated reporter. And he basically writes a book about Alex Jones going to this <laughs> oh event. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, you know, I went there and yeah, they've got this repeating theme of an owl, but I'm not sure it's named Moloch. Yeah. And I'm not sure that these people that were having a bonfire near the out, like sometimes it's a bonfire is just a bonfire, right? right? Maybe it's not a human sacrifice or a sacrifice of care yeah. or whatever it is. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I try to be careful in ascribing um, intent right. to right. any of these. Yeah. But I mean, on the, on the one side, I can see, you know, I can see parents being concerned about this. I can see parents not being concerned. Well, and in my opinion, raise your kid any way you want. What do I care? Here's the thing that, uh, you know, sort of to the caller's point, if you are a parent and you hear of something like this going down and you're like, I don't know what this is all about. I don't know if I want to send my kid to it. I want to go find out. And then you go and you find out. And yeah. then you can make a decision based on what you found out. And I do actually respect that because so many people are talking about the drag queen story time. And this caller actually went like went and actually experienced it firsthand, allegedly. which I, I, yeah, allegedly. But I, I respect that point because a lot of people are, you know, making very judgmental statements. Right. But they've never really experienced one of these. Right. Um, and I think everyone's so quick these days to, like, everything's grooming. And don't get me wrong. 
there's a lot of grooming going on. Like a lot of grooming no, in no, public no. schools. Let, let, me, let, me, but, let me make this point. Uh, there needs to be more grooming, and I mean that by like hygiene. <laughs> like there are there are kids, there are parents, there are a, a whole subset of society that does not participate in proper yeah. hygienic grooming. So uh, I'm not talking about like the grooming for sexual predators. I'm talking about like, you know, hygiene, like taking a shower and like cutting your hair and putting on deodorant and things like that. They're like, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but <laughs> I've bumped into too many stinky people recently. Yeah. I think that um, when I hear about grooming, the first thing I think is the person who's talking about grooming is probably a pervert. Oh. Because, you know, it it, it takes one to know one kind mm. of, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. I never saw grooming in the time frame that my kid was growing up. Now, I'll admit, he didn't go to public schools. He didn't go to, you know, cross-dressing library talk time <laughs> right, or whatever. Yeah. It didn't, didn't do any of this stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't know what grooming is. We have David from South Carolina calling. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, yes. I was just going to say that, uh, you know, what people wear is actually a matter of custom, and it could have gone either way. I mean, in Scotland, the minority, uh, I mean, as far as our culture is concerned, the minority of men wear skirts, like in Scotland, but it could have been the other way around. In sub-Saharan Africa, uh, women don't wear, native women come from that area, who live in that area. Uh, during the summertime, especially, they don't they don't wear covering of their breasts. It's a good so, question. Like and, I, I and, haven't and thought about it until now, David. But what is the difference between like somebody wearing a skirt and somebody dressing in drag? Like at what point does it become drag versus like comfort or custom or habit? Um, well, um, actually, I think some people are very uptight about that kind of a thing especially about the sexuality and and uh, they're they're a little uptight about the um their sexuality because they're insecure and and and, and of course the clothing and and all the other things the accoutrements that go with that make them feel a little bit more secure they they kind of know what what it should be like and what it could be like and the way it is and and they feel comfortable with that but as soon as somebody upsets that 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 traditional way of doing things they get extremely nervous because especially if it concerns um, like uncovering of breasts or something like that. Well, I think that there's a difference between, so for me, I've been to multiple drag shows in my life and I've seen them. I've been entertained by them. Uh, one of them was, uh, you know, spectating or performing. I've never said, <laughs> no, neither can I sing nor dance, but it would probably be more fun to watch me if I was in a dress. Um, you know, but, and, and, and it was, it's been as recently as, you know, a few months ago that, okay. uh, that I went. So it's not like I'm a prude on this issue. Yeah. It's just that the story time drag aspect is what kind of gets me. You mean you know, appealing like, to children? Why yeah. is the question I would have? You know, I just don't to understand it. it. I, don't, I to, think that's exactly what so it is. Typically, it was previously kind of something for adults. And yeah, now right. they're trying to make it more for children or just expose children to these type of things to either. Uh, you could go like the innocent way and say just to let kids know, like, oh, if you're a little boy and you like to play with girls toys and if you want to you know, grow up and dress yep. like a girl, that's OK. Or you could go the negative side of it or the malicious side of it and say, oh, they're grooming children and they're. They're pedophiles and they're they're perverts and all this thing. So the true answer, I mean, that all depends on the intent of the person that's doing it. I think typically 
the way I think of it is it's more of an innocent thing. I don't think they're really trying to like psycho- uh, psychologically damage children or groom them. I think it's just supposed to they're be normalizing a- things. Children will react to things based on their parental unit's mm-hmm. emotional reaction. Sure. And so the most successful children that I've ever seen have been what I like to call free raised, right? This is, uh, you know, homeschooled for at least a portion of their life Mm -hmm. and their parents are very much about like, well, what do you think about this? How do you Mm -hmm. feel about like getting the kids to get in touch with themselves and make and form their own opinions without their parent, their their parents bias. Like you're going to have some parental bias no matter what, because they're your parents. But like these are parents that try not to force their bias Mm -hmm. onto their children and teach their children to make their own independent decisions based on the facts and evidence in front of them. Those are the most well-adjusted children I've ever met in my life. Now, how do we uh, allow children to have the freedom? How do we teach the children to do this on a much more frequent basis? Because we know public schools aren't going to teach them this. They are simply them. not going to teach them. Not going to happen. <laughs> homeschool, private school. Hey, I feel like um, you know homeschooling was the very best thing for my son. Yeah. Um, I don't know that. Homeschool. I I think that all di- there's all different types of schools, and it's for all different types of kids. Yeah. Some kids learn in better environments. Surely, some kids do best in public school. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> um, others do. Like I went to a private school from kindergarten through eighth grade, eh, but it, to me, not that much different than public school. Although you got a lot more attention. I went from dean's list. In that's a good thing. In in eighth grade, too, I failed two courses in ninth grade, and my yeah. only guess is is that you know there's not there's not the care from the teachers that there was at the two different schools. So I just think that different schools, different kids, and uh, you know you've got to figure out what's best for your kid. I would like to point out that there was a comedian called Dame Edna when I was growing up, and this was a man who dressed up like a an old woman. I remember this. And would do a comedy bit. And I actually saw Dame Edna many years later uh, at, uh, I think it was Ruth Eckerd Hall in St. Petersburg. Yeah. And it was a great show. It was a good show. Um, it was full of gay guys, and, and they were having a f- fun old time and, yeah. and that kind of thing. But I don't think Dame Edna messed me up in any way, shape, or form, right. just because it's a guy dressed up as a woman. Right. Um, and, and frankly, how many movies... From the time yeah, that I was Doubtfire, right? I mean, you know, right. that's the first one that comes to my head, and that I watched that several times as a child, oh, and, and I don't think I'm like psychologically I mean, scarred from it. You like know? I grew up, I was very into stand-up comedy uh, as a child, but also like I remember watching lots of Monty Python. Well, let's go to Jill calling from Virginia. Jill, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, well, I would like to say there seems to be some question about what user is not drag. I'm a female. I routinely go around in trousers, but I don't consider that drag. Nor I. These are loose trousers. I'm not trying to make people think I'm a man. It's because it's more practical and more comfortable than some jobs I've had. It was just part of the uniform. Right. And that's not the same as drag. Drag is when a person gets exaggerated and... And, uh, for instance, a man dressing as a woman then puts a whole lot of silly stuff on, on his head and things like this. What would it or take? Or a woman maybe wearing extremely tight pants and, and, uh, and uh, maybe some kind of 
some kind of a gun that looks like a machine gun or something like that. I have a question for you, Jill. Like, you bring up a good point, and I think that there's probably a... uh a uh, a sexual double standard here. Right. What would it take for what Jill is describing, a female, yeah. to dress up enough like a man to be considered, considered in drag? Drag the other way. I don't even know if that's a thing. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't use the term drag no. to describe a woman in under any circumstances. So, like, if I, Jill put yeah. on like a tuxedo, right, and a fake beard, and a, no. it, like, a, yeah, because like, a lot of lesbians dress like that, and it's just. Their style, but also there's the double standard there where, like, I can wear jeans. Right. But the second one of you guys were to wear a dress, it's like, oh, all of a sudden that's weird. Jill? So. But there's no pockets in them. Yeah. I'm here, but uh, what? I, I think skirts are generally just not as practical as trousers for, for things that people have to do. If you have to ride a bicycle or a horse or anything else, skirts are just not as practical as pants. Why women... Why that sort of garment has been designed for women rather than men, I'm not certain. Nor I. I, I really don't know what the, uh, the the purpose of it all is. Um, you know, so, comfortable. So, at what point does uh, somebody dressing in whatever way become drag? Do we know? Well, I think it's become when it becomes exaggerated and there's more more emphasis to put on the outer appearance than the actual practicality. Of I agree with it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a that's a fine definition. Sure, uh, you wouldn't call anybody Jill, a, for the call. a drag queen, and that's all, almost always the term I mm-hmm. hear. Yeah. You wouldn't call them a drag queen unless they were decked out. Well, so right? I was thinking yeah, about exactly. like the other way. If we were talking about a female like trying to dress up as a dude, would they be a drag king? No, no. I mean, so- I think that it exists as a term as terminology, but you have to really try to get there. And the the women's uh, lib movement has been so successful in getting this done that. You know, there's just because uh, like men don't want it. You like know, I've I've just out in public, you know, grocery shopping or whatever. Like there have been some, shall we say, manly looking females, sure, yeah. who get called like sir. As far as the drag queen things go, I think for me personally, it's kind of more of a cultural thing. Like there's a big culture within drag, but it really only is men dressing like women. But going to the extent, like, if, if it's just a guy wearing a dress, it's different than, like, that would just be a guy wearing a dress. It's not necessarily drag. Yeah. But once you do the makeup, the nails, like, it's a whole big cultural thing where they go all out. And kind of like Jill was saying, they're really decked out. Yeah. Like, it's not, they're going above and beyond. And it's, and it's not just, like, when you see trans people who are, you know, dressing like women, you know, because they're, whatever, transitioning into a woman, like, man to woman. It's a little bit different because they're more natural. Like, they're kind of just trying to pass yeah. as a biological woman, kind yeah. of. But with drag, it's very flamboyant. You know, they have the giant fake boobs. Maybe they're wearing, like, little, like, tights with fake butt implants in yeah. them. And they have, like, very sparkly dresses and feathers and big makeup. And it's it's just, it's a whole different thing. And I think as a woman dressing like a man, you can't do that because men don't typically wear makeup. They don't have those big flashy outfits. Right. So I think it's kind of just impossible to do drag the opposite way I, just because of I, how the culture is I don't and, think it's and what it is. I just yeah, think how do you get a flamboyant man? I just think it's <laughs> unpopular. 
right? I don't think it's impossible. I just think it's unpopular. And I think that yeah. uh, there is um, there's a female bias towards uh, the flamboyant, right? Uh, there's terminology in, in slanguage, if you will, fag hag, right? These are yeah. chicks that are obsessed with gay dudes, right? Uh, that that's a terminology that that you know comes from culture that wasn't you know something that I what's just it invented. what's it mean to you when you hear that term? Uh, to me, it means that it's a girl who's obsessed with uh, gay men and gay culture. All I it means to me is is uh, some specifically girl... gay men's culture, right. not gay women's culture. Sure. Uh, all it means to me is is some woman who hangs out with who has a gay friend um, that. You know that that's just uh, terminology. To me it's, that... it's, it's more extreme. It's more like those. That's the majority of her friends. Okay. For example, I think that to me it's a derogatory term, probably used by gay men to <laughs> say, "Hey, why aren't you hanging out with me instead of that woman there? What's the point of hanging yeah. out with her?" Right, and because they have a friend, that's why. Uh, yeah, but... <laughs> and it is kind of uh, but it is... demeaning almost because, and I have met well, women before who are to like, be a derogatory well, term. no, yes. I, I mean in the sense where it's kind of disrespectful for women to act that way. Because I have spoken to women before who are like, oh, I just want gay best friend, and it's like that's it's just it's weird to like you're not you're not caring about their personality, right? We've got uh, Creighton calling from Kentucky, I believe. Creighton, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, everybody. I wanted to call in, and this is related to the topic that's been running through this this evening. Which topic? Um, the the drag was, drag queen story time. Yes. All right. When when I was a teenager, um, I went to a private school. I went to a uh, Catholic private school, mm-hmm. and i I had really long flowing hair. Yep. Um. And and I'm blonde technically, so it was. It was pretty. I was I was a very good-looking young man when okay. I was that age. And I had a limitation that I could only grow it out to five inches below my collar because I went to a private school. Uh-huh. And I wanted to turn it purple, to color it purple. Mm-hmm. And I was never allowed to do this as a child. And then when I turned 17, I joined the Marine Corps. And, and you certainly I, weren't allowed to do it there. I was going to say, and the Marines were no. like, sure, go ahead, turn it purple. <laughs> no, and then, and then my beautiful hair was gone, and it never returned because I lost it Right. Uh, over time. Uh, but my point of that, that short story is, is that as a teenager, I wanted to stand out. I wanted to be noticed. Yeah. And I, that's how I view most of this drag queen stuff, is it isn't necessarily sexual in nature for the person doing it. Is it an attention grab? It, it, it's, it's an outward expression of, I want your attention today. Because, of course, um, a drag queen doesn't have to, to dress like that or put on the outfit as a rule. I mm-hmm. mean, they can go and have normal jobs right. and, and, and don't have to worry about that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> Aria chooses not to do that. That that is her choice. That's fine. Um, I care not. Um, but but my point of, of 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 saying that is is that it's the perception from others that this is a sexual thing is what causes the problem, not because that's it, that's interesting it, because like uh, when I was growing up, I didn't want to. I I, I didn't want to conform. Right. I, I rebelled against mm-hmm. the status quo. 
right? I didn't want to wear you know some sort of uniform to school. I, I, I only went to a private school for a short period of time, but they had a dress code and whatever. But when I got to like middle school, high school, like I, I also t- attempted to grow my hair out long, much to my parental unit's chagrin. I had uh, the same sort of experience in high school. I, you know, dressed in such a way. I just wanted to sort of say, hey, I'm not one of you people. I'm something different, right. which, of course, made me look just like the people that were all saying this. But uh, regardless, <laughs> um, I, you know, then had a period of time where I didn't get to choose my clothes and my haircut, uh, just as Crichton did. And then when I got out, I was a man. And the decision that I had made at that point was, as I've thought about this, and I've decided that whatever... Uh, uniqueness I wish to show, I'm going to show in my personality and not in my hair and my clothes and things like that. Right. Um, You know, like I don't need physical appearance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need, you know, uh, if I just go ahead and dress whatever way is, you know, most common and uh, effective, then I can move in and out of whatever groups I want to. And I'm happy to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, I but, feel the same way about that. I was kind of more like I had long, long dreadlocks. I mean, my hair is long right now, so like down to my butt still, but long dreadlocks. They were all different colors. I had like beads in them, and you have I dreads. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. For a while, I would always wear band T-shirts, and I would always wear the printed leggings, and I, I just looked very different than the other preppy people right. that I went to high school with. And it was more like I wanted to be different. But kind of like Mark said, in your efforts to be different, you're just like a bunch of other yeah, people. Yeah, you, you do know? somewhat homogenize yourself with whatever group you know, you're, you're exactly. fitting in with. So, yeah. And I, I like the idea of it's not so much your appearance, it's more your personality, but looking like a normal person yeah. does, like it's helped me kind of be more of a chameleon where like I can work in different jobs in different industries and still come back here, you know, sit on this show and still be myself but it's easier for me to survive and thrive in life not being so, you know, like I'm not going to go in certain places wearing a Ron Paul shirt where, you know, people are going, to, you know, it's just, it's not really being fake, but it's just, you know, a, I guess a defense mechanism kind of, or, yeah. or you know, a way to survive yeah. in the world and be able to be successful. Crichton? Likewise, I've learned not to put libertarian bumper stickers on my car. I get way way fewer tickets now. Oh, yeah. I don't have any bumper stickers at all. I have the get but, out of free, uh, get out of jail free card. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, my, my my what I really wanted to make a point about is is the, the, talking about the drag uh, queen story hour. Yeah, is that the problem? Isn't that there are people that want to do this and want to do this wearing a flamboyant costume? That's not the problem. The problem is, is that is that the perception from uh, social norms, from the uh, uh, classic uh, society of of the familiar uh, nuclear family, it upsets that. And while it's not necessarily true that it's sexually related for the person actually wanting to do it, it is undeniable that there is a subset of drag queens for which it is a sexual thing. The Republicans obsess on this topic. They do, yeah. In a lot of ways. Like, you know, here's what I'll say. I agree with a couple of points surrounding transgendered, because cross-dressing, drag queens, transgendered are not the same thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. all different. Um, You know, like, I think that the best thing to say about drag queens are people who want attention 
uh, people who are transgendered have some kind of, I don't know what to call it, mental illness that causes them to, you know, live in a world. Gender dysphoria. Yeah, gender dysphoria. Why am I this gender? Why am I not the other gender? Okay, I can see it. It it seems legit to me. Yeah, I, I know that there's hermaphroditic people, people with ambiguous sexual, yep. um, you know, genitalia, and I know, uh, therefore, uh, like I am willing to believe that somebody could have the same sort of issue in their head. Did you hear about the man with five penises? What's that? His rubber fit like a glove. <laughs> That's very clever. Um, so. You can't tell these jokes because I, I I lose my train of thought. So the um, you know when you're talking about you know these transgendered people, especially when they haven't been transitioning long, competing in high school or college sports, yeah. and you know doing jujitsu against girls and breaking their arms and stuff like that. I believe that. it's called anti-Semitic jitsu, <laughs> whatever it is, and. Or, you know, there's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I think this bathroom thing, I think we're coming into a culture. In Europe, the there's just bathrooms. Right, you just yeah. go in the yeah. bathroom. Right, yeah. And it's a lot better. Whatever. Wash, so you mean just like wash your hands. not stalls, just kind of like single bathrooms? Yeah. And it's just, yeah. And the stalls go to the floor to ceiling, too. Yeah. Right. So it's not like you've yeah. got somebody, you know... Yeah, peeking under, whatever. What, what yeah. is going on yeah. there? Why do yeah. we have to have this little space between the stalls? Well, I guess it's for mopping. And, it, and if you mm-hmm. think about, like, a regular household, like, the regular just, house has one or two bathrooms. Yeah. But it's not gender-specific. It's no. just whatever happens to be open at the time. Yeah. Right? No, and I definitely like that better, just because it's, it's weird that bathrooms have become so, like, sexualized and polarized. Yeah. Like, What's just going on in there? No one's... And I, I don't want to say no one, because I'm sure there are creeps out there going into the little girl's room trying to be a perv. But I think for the most part, especially with trans people, where trans people are targeted way more than, you know, just regular straight yeah. people, right? So, you know, being a non-biological woman, you're way more likely to be assaulted than... You know, I, I don't know if it's more likely than just being a regular biological woman, but just... It's definitely more likely than just being a man. Somebody really needs to upgrade bathroom technology, right? And in this, I mean uh, specifically powerful exhaust fans, right? Uh, people are stinky yeah. when they when they when they do the number two. Uh, sometimes it is darn powerful, yeah, so powerful that you walk in, you're like, oh my god, and you get wafted in the face, and you got to leave because you just you cannot take care of business yeah. in that situation. Now, if every stall and every sort of a we'll call them public bathrooms, anybody that offers you know bathrooms to large amounts of people, where there's stalls, airports, bus terminals, uh, public places, that kind of thing, if they could just install some of these very powerful exhaust fans that sort of suck the air out of the area in which people are taking yeah. care of their business, I think life could improve a yeah. lot for majority so, of the people on agreed. planet Earth. And that's the real issue with public bathrooms. Like, I don't right. care about trans people using the yeah. bathroom. Get a better fan. Yeah. like Let's talk about <laughs> the real issues, An people. exhaust fan, please. <laughs> a large one. Many of them. So... Uh, like I, Aria, our uh, co-host here, and she's on several nights a week, sure. and I don't know which one she's. Um, like in many ways, the, Wednesday, yeah. the sort of number three on the show, and she's trans now. Aria has that look of somebody who's trying to get a little more attention for themselves. Sure. She's got bright red hair, yep. um, and you know, wearing clothes that um, you know say "Look at me," but 
I know that I know that Arya deals with a lot of downside for dressing the way that she does. Yeah. yeah. And my presumption is that if she could, if if somehow that uh, she could get away with not dressing the way that she does, she would. Right. And that she has to do it for whatever reason that goes on in her head. I don't know what it is, and I'm never going to understand. And that's okay if I don't understand. But. Uh, you know what the the conclusion I've come to after years of working with Arya is is well she must be serious about this. Well, I just figure that like she's comfortable in that. Yeah, yep. I don't think she dresses like too flamboyantly. Yeah, I think she just wears. She's got bright red hair. What? And, like, like I mean, yeah, the hair. But as hair. <laughs> as far as like her um like clothing attire goes, it's pretty like it's not very flashy. It just seems like that's what's comfortable. Some For days her. are better than others. Well, yep. Arya and I. Oh yeah, the tube tops, maybe. <laughs> okay, now nah, yeah, I can kind of see that then. Yeah. Arya and I, and a sometimes fill-in host uh, known as Mushmouth Mike, uh, put together a band called Fud, and we played at uh, Pork Fest during the the height of the lockdowns on July fourth. And uh, there was some video of it, and some of my musician friends, you know, back in the Seattle area, uh, saw clips, and they were like, "Oh, you got a chick guitar player?" And I'm like, "Well, that's Arya. This is what's known as a trans person, you know." And they're like, "Oh, we didn't know," kind of a thing, like you know, and like you know, for them from you know the video that was taken, it was hard to tell. Sure. But then they were like, "Well, what's it like being in a band with a trans person?" Like just like like, a regular person. I'm I'm like exactly the same. Like, dude, Arya is like over six foot tall. From fee dot org. Cities lead the way in another massive fall exodus from U.S. public schools. Los Angeles, Chicago, and Seattle are oh. among... Before you go on, who's the author of this? Carrie McDonald. Yeah, I've met Carrie. She's really cool. on the spot on this uh, homeschooling stuff. stuff. Yeah, Sweet. I was surprised that, I mean, these names, you don't associate... With homeschooling, Los Angeles, Chicago, right. and Seattle. I know. Are among the cities to see public school enrollments plummet for the second consecutive year. Well, also imagine how those three cities, imagine how terrible their public schools probably are. Mm. I had, I actually knew someone who worked in Los Angeles public schools, and obviously yeah. they have multiple because LA, LA is huge. LA and Chicago are probably um, horrible. Seattle, however, yeah. having lived there, Seattle's a weird place, man, because it is. Like the youngest large city. Yeah. Right? It, it didn't come up until the 50s or something. Mm-hmm. And even then it was because it was just Boeing. But it wasn't until Microsoft, right? Late right. 80s, you know, mid to late 80s when, when they really had that tech boom and became sort of a tech hub mm-hmm. uh, through the 90s and the grunge era and all that kind of thing. Um, Seattle is a weird place in that it doesn't have, unlike LA, Chicago, Boston, it doesn't sort of have... Uh, what they refer to as an inner city, right? This oh, okay. is referred to as, yeah. it's usually uh, associated with, you know, a certain race of people living there. Yeah, but yeah those Seattle, a bad section of town, whatever. Yeah, Seattle yeah. doesn't really have that. Hmm. They have like a section of town where largely the homeless population hangs out. It's called Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also some really killer bars in Georgetown. But it, Seattle is a very homogenous city as far as race is concerned. They do have a Chinatown, and it's just like a strip where there's a whole bunch of like, you know, uh, Asian restaurants and things of that nature. Where but, else would you go to eat? <laughs> but But compared to other cities... I think because Seattle is so young that it was far more homogenized uh, racially 
than and culturally even than any other city. There's Makes a large sense. large population of uh, like sort of uh, Indian, uh, Pakistani uh, people there. Uh, lots of different types of Asians, uh, including uh, you know Chinese, Japanese, you know that type of a thing. Um, lots of brown people from different regions of planet Earth. Uh, I've met more British people in Seattle than I have in any other big city. So just a caveat, because I have some experience after having lived there, that Seattle, to make this list, to me, is a real statement that Mm -hmm. they're seeing schools, enrollment in public schools plummet for the second year. Uh, It really says something to me. This is factual. You can go to any educational website. Uh, Most of them will publish, uh, I'm talking public schools, even private schools, most of them will publish their curriculum, right? What is required for our teachers to teach the students for this grade, that grade, the next grade, right? And sometimes they change it up from year to year, but it's largely the same year after year after year, particularly for childhood, early childhood. Uh, And so you can go and you can look at what that curriculum is, and then you can go online to... All of the known places, YouTube, mm-hmm. for example, yeah. uh, has all of this stuff available to you. There are educational sites that publish documents for free that you can read the required books uh, for free or d- otherwise download them. So everything that is taught in public schools, including the outline for what to teach and how mm-hmm. and what and during when. And well, that's what all dictated grade. by the state. Right. I understand. But it's all available publicly. Right, So you can go online and view all this stuff and download all the stuff you need to teach it yourself or to have the students engage in learning at their own pace. Mm -hmm. Therefore, public school is completely irrelevant. Well, you need a baby. I think. uh, Well, that's what it is. Middle class babysitting, uh, welfare babysitting day person. So that's what it reveals. It reveals public school as what it really is. Your children are not there to learn. All the information they need is available to them online. You do not need public schools to force feed your children this information. It's all there. You can teach it. You can hire somebody to teach it for you. You can engage grandma or Auntie M or whoever, somebody in your family that ain't doing anything to like sort of guide your children through learning, reading, writing, arithmetic, right? It only takes less than, I don't remember what the time is to learn uh, basic arithmetic and basic reading, you know, a matter of hours, right, over the course of like a week or something. Most fundamental reading, most fundamental arithmetic can be taught in a very short period of time. So what is school doing with all the rest of your child's time? Keeping them busy um, is ultimately the answer. We homeschooled for the first, uh, you know, well, you know, until he was 10 or something like that. I can't remember what the age was. And you are always homeschooling. Like your kids are always learning before they go to kindergarten. They're learning while yeah. they're, um, you know, they're at home, home from school. They're learning. So yeah. you're always homeschooling. But what we did was, uh, I mean, maybe an hour, may, maybe hour and a half, depending on the day and yeah. what we were doing of learning per day. And then the rest of it's play and activity and, you know, trying things and mimicking and stuff like that. You know, since COVID, uh, once school started coming back, people, you know, Mark, you talked about your homeschool experience, but people found out like, oh, this is what goes on in schools now that school was in their living room or their kitchen or wherever their kids were when they were doing all this like remote Zoom learning because they closed down the schools because they were afraid of COVID or whatever. Um, and, And parents were like, oh, 
Well, no, we could do this. Yeah, I mean, what's the point <laughs> right. of having our kid in school? And so they see how exactly how much class time there is per day, too. Yeah. Because, you know, when when you're COVID, you're, you're watching, all right, the Zoom mm-hmm. thing. And then there's just all this messing around. And yeah, and I'm like, sure it's oh, this is like an hour's worth of work a day. Well, and I'm sure it's a lot different, like online versus like, I'm sure they were doing more in person, like just reflecting back on my experience in public schools. Like we were kind of doing stuff all day for most of the day. I'm sure, like, teachers transitioning into doing stuff online, and I'm sure it's a lot more difficult for them when they're not used to that to do the curriculum via Zoom, plus all the technical right, difficulties. Yeah, yeah. Teachers don't know how this to is, use, you know, computers. V- very interesting. Nationwide, homeschooling numbers tripled last year from their pre-pandemic levels, driven largely by black families who left district schools for homeschooling at the highest rate of any demographic group and are now mm-hmm. overrepresented in the homeschooling population. I'm not surprised. Compared to K through 12 public schools. That is surprising to me. I I'm would not. have expected I don't know like well, like so-called conservative yeah. or whatever demographic that is, like white conservative Republican. Mm-hmm. I would have expected them to be more of the homeschool slant than black families. Although, yeah. to be fair, there is a very large anti-government, if you will, anti-state sentiment amongst uh, the black population. Yeah. And has been since, like I can remember. I mean, I wonder yeah. why. Since they've been you dealing know? with the state. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. 100%. I, I think that a homeschooling trend is a good thing. Homeschooling is cheap and provides your kid, in most cases, with the best education. Yes. Not every case. Certainly, there are some you know, kids out there that are getting crappy educations at home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sorry, I don't know what to say about that. But don't worry. Kids are getting crappy educations in public schools, too. Right. Not only, um, you know, we have an advertiser here on the uh, uh, the on pre-talk live that gives different statistics but you know there's one out of five students nationwide is functionally illiterate upon graduation right right. not now not the ones that dropped out not the ones that uh ended up in prison which by the way public school is wildly overrepresented in um but the graduates, graduates, one out of five right so and then in some districts it's two out of five they're getting the certificate they're wearing the hat and the robe so that might sound ridiculous to you. It might be like, oh, this is almost unbelievable. I have been, I throw that statistic out a lot. and We do and here on Free Talk Live frequently. The response I get from people has been alarming because I've gotten a lot of people tell me, yeah, I don't really know how to read. I have read, but it's just not something that I do as a leisure activity. Um, just what you said there reminded me of an article that I read today. And, you know, I probably read six seven articles per day yeah. in order to do be able to do show prep and right free talk live has me reading article after article after article right. all the time but from inc.com keep forgetting things neuroscience says this memory fixing brain habit works best the results were and this is a, a quote from the study incontrovertible i have that right controvertible yes regular engaged reading strengthened older adults memory skills so brain training games this was this was actually a study on brain training games and they found that they don't really work right yeah Um, reading was much better yeah crossword puzzles they're like you know you only work reading 
incontrovertible is mm-hmm. what they say. So uh-huh. um, if you want to keep the brain uh, plastic and, and going, reading. reading. Reading for pleasure is the terminology yeah. they used. And then uh, one step further than that that I would add is learn a language. Yeah, I'm sure learning yeah. a language is well, definitely Duolingo great. makes this so easy. Oh, yeah. You can go on there and you can learn it's like a game. A, you can learn a, a language from Klingon, Elvish, Esperanto, Kapla. right? From, so the silly ones to Spanish, yeah. French, Ar- Arabic. You know, like you can learn mm-hmm. whatever it is you want to learn. They've got it. They've got Portuguese too, and that little bit just keeps your brain learning something new. And honestly. Now, admittedly, I know some Spanish, but it takes me three to five minutes, and I do it twice a day. Mm-hmm. So I don't—I'm a pretty busy guy, yeah. and I've got ten minutes, you know, five minutes twice a day. Yeah. And so, what I would—I would contend that you do too, dear listener. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna because I read this, I'm going to spend some time reading um, for pleasure. My son and I do read some comic books here yep. and there, graphic novels. I know you're and a think, Marvel fan, at least. Yep, I certainly am. And he's now gotten into Piers Anthony. For those that don't know, he does uh, several, the Xanth series and a few others. And I think I'll just start reading those with him so I can talk to him about it. I think that uh, comic books, uh, at least for me growing up as a kid, had some value in teaching ethics and morals. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and b- by the way, reading skills and vocabulary and a whole variety of things that just slid in. Yeah, and especially with the way some of the comic book writers would use uh, even language or uh, more of the pronunciation of the word versus the actual word. Like, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um well, I, I would like to give a special thank you to uh, Stan Lee and the, the writers of uh, comics throughout the years because I read so many. I would, you know, all evening long I'd read comics. Yeah, I think that kids, by and large, are going to receive better education if their parents are more involved in it. Um, and I'm adopted, all right? And I have this theory that I've developed over time. It's not my theory, mm-hmm. but I, I believe it pretty thoroughly. And that is that, you know, what communication is supposed to be 10% words and then 90% other stuff. Right. And that parents, because they're biologically, like that that kid is a, you know, replicated at least in half, genetically half yours. Mm -hmm. And you understand that child in a way that no one else can. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And you can communicate with that kid in a way that nobody else can. Right. And you can do it through, you know, it's not even the words that come out of your mouth. It's just like the, you know, motions of your body and just, uh, you know, the way you're exuding things all day, whatever it is. And that, therefore, makes you the best teacher that kid can have. Absolutely. And does anyone care about your child more than you do? You think some rando teacher that's just collecting a government paycheck? There are great teachers out there. No, absolutely. But the rando teacher does not. Well, yeah, but would a teacher, no matter who it is, ever care about your child more than they? you do? How, how could they how possibly? Could they? Exactly. And so, you know, and, and then we think about what is a an elementary school education. Now, I don't want to sound snotty or anything like here, uh, but, you know, I think I've got it down. 
I think yeah. I know what the elementary school education levels are. Mm-hmm. Um, you should be able to read. You should be able to write, and you should be able to do arithmetic. Yeah, and by arithmetic, the four R's: reading, yeah. writing, well, arithmetic. But for some reason, we have high school graduates who can't. There certainly are. So if we're supposed to be able how to do that, that by like third grade, I, yeah, how is that happening? I Clearly, contend, something's not going well. I contend, without any evidence, that uh, children uh, without public education and without really much help from their parents are completely capable of learning all by themselves. I, I think it's true, but I think that uh, the, I think there's direction. So I we tried the whole, uh, the unschooling thing. Yeah. You know, let's just let a kid, you know, let, mm-hmm. let him do what he wants, and that worked well some of the time. Sure, but other times I had to implement what I called instead of child directed learning, family directed learning. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> a nice and word for it. Family directed learning means. You're going to learn this today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's just got to be that, in my opinion, that not every kid can yeah. go ahead and learn things in a uh, and be responsible for their sure. own education. I mean, I'd go even further and say that some kids are not only capable of learning without the public education system and without their parents, but would probably do a better job of it than either of those two entities. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sure. it, it definitely depends on the parents and it depends on the children. I had one of my families that I work with within midwifery. They homeschool their children, Catholic family, and they're, I don't know, yeah, he was maybe six years old, obsessed with math. He, he was a very poor reader. You know, he, he was not good at reading, but I mean, his math skills far surpassed mine, far surpassed his parents. He was just obsessed with it. He would go on YouTube. He would watch all these videos. He knew all the square root of everything and all of his times tables, and he could do long division. Easy. But he was behind on reading. Mm-hmm. And his parents were like, well, eventually he's going to get to a point in math where he's going to want to do these problems that's going to involve some sort of reading. And then he'll figure it out then. But why would we stunt his growth in math right. by forcing him to read, which is something he's not interested in? He's, all, you know, I mean, at this point, he's six. It's not like he's a 16 year old. At that point, they might have to step in a little bit and be like, okay, you have to read a book or something. But. Children will catch up, and I think the my big, I think the big flaw within public school is that it's a one size fits all. Here's the state curriculum. This is what kids need to know by this point. They yeah. have to do all this state testing, and even sometimes in certain states, homeschooling parents have to meet these state requirements the as other, well. The other thing I hate about public schools is the segregation of age. Right. Uh, you go and you watch like little like the ha- old one room schoolhouse. Yeah. You go watch like Little House on the Prairie. Yep. Right. Uh, what these schools would do is they would put all the kids of all the ages in you know one room, at least for a period of time mm-hmm. during the day, because there's some things you're going to overlap. Right. All yeah, the kids course. need to hear this information. Yep. And it's not going to be new based on their age. Right. So why not put them all in one room for those times? And then what they would do is the teachers would actually employ the older students to teach the younger yeah. students, right? This is one of the basic fundamental tenets of learning. Learn to teach. Yeah, if absolutely. you want to be good at something, learn it in such a way that you are able to teach it. Mm-hmm. And this is not taught in public schools. Public schools are not teaching children to learn something in such a way that they are now able to teach well, it because they take away that very ability to occur. And I completely agree with that. I mean, I think how I got through nursing school was to... I was teaching, you know, like the medical knowledge I would teach Matt or my friends. And that's kind of how I got through that was because I'm like, okay, if I know this 
good enough to be able to recite it and teach it and not only like just, you know, memorize things, but in depth explain and be able to answer people's questions on this topic, then I'm definitely going to get a 90 or above on this exam. When you have a building that 5,000 people go to every single day, it's of course, it's a cesspool of uh, illness and that sort of thing. This is bigger than some uh, medieval armies, okay? And, uh, you know, they're up until World War I, the thing that killed people in war was disease back at camp. So, yeah, I think it's it's bad, but I think it's bad because, in part, because we make these institutions so large. Yeah. And, and, and in college, is even worse. You've got, you know, you got 500 people in a class sometimes. Uh, last year, Detroit district enrollment fell 3%, while statewide public school enrollment declined more than 4%, according to a new National Bureau of Economic Research working paper, which analyzed... 2020 student enrollment trends in Michigan. The majority of families who left public schools last year chose homeschooling, while most of the remaining families selected private schools. So apparently homeschooling is the the majority choice. Uh, private schooling is like the secondary choice mm-hmm. for folks leaving public schools. Yeah, homeschooling is a lot less expensive than yeah. a private school. Now, I've seen private schools that are less expensive than what they spend per student at public schools. And, of course, what they spend per student is kind of irrelevant to the family sending their kid there because it's functionally free. They don't state how this happens, but they say in Seattle, the 1,300 fewer students, that sounds like a small number, 1,300 fewer students enrolled in the district this fall will likely cost the public schools approximately $28 million in state funding. I'm not sure how 1,300 kids subtracts $28 million. Well, what they do is is that uh, kids have a paycheck that follows them. Uh, and public schools get significantly more, like three times more than, you know, say a charter school will get for a kid. But when you pull your kid That's out of public $2 school. $2 million a kid. I'd have to do the math on it. Oh, no, it's not. 1,300. What's the number? 1,300 students. And how much money? $28 million. 20, I was told my, there would be no math. My math is way off on that. I, I was dividing 13 right. into 28. So it's it's $200,000 per kid. If they move a couple zeros over. Yeah, 21, uh, $21,500 $21, per lifetime. kid. That sounds right. Per kid. That's what they spend right, per year. Right, because like sure. the, the average prisoner is like thirty five, forty grand a year. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live. 